Today is the 100th episode of Bizarre Albums. Thank you so much for the support you've given me over these last almost two years. Uh, The show has gone beyond what I ever imagined it was going to. More people care about it than I ever expected. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't say that enough. And to celebrate the 100th episode, I have some new merch in the store over at BizarreAlbums.com. A wonderful new design by the great Alex Robinson is now up, featuring a lot of subjects that I've covered on the show. So check that out in the store over at BizarreAlbums.com. Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, Chris Gaines' Greatest Hits, also known as Garth Brooks in The Life of Chris Gaines, from 1999. No Tellin' was a 1955 single released by Colleen Carroll. Carroll had developed a bit of a following from performing on Ozark Jubilee, a radio and television show that featured the day's top country stars. The Kansas City label Cardinal Records released No Tellin' as a single, but Carroll would end up being signed to Capitol Records, the same label that 30-something years later would sign her son, Troyal Garth Brooks. Yeah. His name is Troyle. Obviously, you know him better as simply Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks released his self-titled debut album on April 12, 1989. His first single, Much Too Young, parentheses, To Feel This Damn Old, peaked at number 8 on the Billboard Hot Country Songs charts. But when his second ever single, If Tomorrow Never Comes, was released that August, it went to number 1 on the Billboard Hot Country Songs chart. If tomorrow never comes Will she know how much I love her? April of 1990 saw the release of the album's final single, The Dance. Not only did it also go to number one, it would win the Academy of Country Music's Song of the Year and Video of the Year for 1990. In a 1994 interview with Playboy, Brooks said, quote, Unless I'm totally surprised, the dance will be the greatest success as a song we will ever do. I'll go to my grave with the dance. It'll probably always be my favorite song. End quote. Our The album would peak at number two on the Billboard Top Country Albums chart and even crossed over to hit number 13 on the Billboard 200. But when his second album, No Fences, was released in August of 1990, Garth Brooks became a megastar. Just four months after the huge success that was The Dance, Brooks dropped his first single from his new album. But you'll never care me Where the whiskey 
Friends in Low Places would go on to spend four weeks at number one on the Hot Country Songs chart. It would also win both the Academy of Country Music and CMA Awards for Single of the Year. No Fences would end up having an incredible four number one singles in both the U.S. and Canada. The album hit number one on Billboard's Top Country Albums chart and remarkably spent 126 weeks in the top 40 of the Billboard 200, peaking at number three. With over 18 million copies sold in the U.S. alone, to this day, it's still Garth Brooks' best-selling studio album. With all of this massive success, by the end of 1990, Brooks would be inducted into the Grand Ole Opry, considered by many to be one of country music's crowning achievements. But his hot streak was far from over. Garth Brooks, the entertainer of the year. For the first time ever, one album has debuted number one on the pop and country charts. Garth Brooks Rope in the Wind, from the most awarded name in music today. Five million! Garth Brooks. The debut album, No Fences. And now the new Garth Brooks album, Rope in the Wind. On Capital Nashville cassette CDs and home music video. Now at your favorite music or video store. Rope in the Wind was released on September 2nd, 1991. The album featured three more number one hits for Brooks, and to this day, it's sold over 14 million copies. The crossover success of Brooks' third album led to more sales of the first two albums as well, and he would become the first country artist with three albums in the top 20 of the Billboard 200 in one week. The following is from Entertainment Tonight in September of 1991. There is no doubt that Garth Brooks is riding high these days. This man has gone from nowhere to the top in less than two years. How? For one thing, a lot more than just country fans are buying Garth Brooks records. It was rocking one night, and I looked down, and to the left of me, I saw a girl with um, a Van Halen T-shirt on. And that's when it hit me. I said, my God, the walls are coming down. People are listening to everything. Gee, I'm competing with every musical form on earth that kids or people go to see. Fast-forwarding a bit to 1993, Brooks would release his sixth album, In Pieces. It was another number one album, and this time, his success was reaching overseas as well. He would head out on his first ever world tour that year. He sold out both the National Exhibition Center in Birmingham and London's Wembley Arena, something no American country music artist had ever done. Two years later, his second ever world tour would reach a total attendance of 5.5 million and it's the third most attended tour of all time. As a part of this world tour, on August 7, 1997, Brooks held a free concert at Central Park in New York City. It was the largest ever concert held in Central Park, with around 1 million people estimated to have been in attendance. That November, he released his seventh studio album, titled Sevens. Once again, Brooks debuted at number one on both the Billboard 200 and Top Country Albums chart. It would end up being his fourth album to reach 10 million copies sold. But the unbelievable success kept going that next year. He released his first live album, Double Live. It went to number one on both the Billboard 200 and Top Country Albums charts. And to this day, it's the best-selling live album of all time, selling over 21 million copies. Now, I know this is a lot of background here, but I needed to emphasize just how gigantic Garth Brooks was in the 90s. I lived through it, and I knew he was huge, but 
even I don't think I realize just how huge. I think it's pretty safe to say that Garth Brooks was the biggest star in music. And in 1999, he decided to do something completely different. Brooks and his production company, Red Strokes Entertainment, along with Paramount Pictures, started to work on a movie called The Lamb, which would feature Garth Brooks as the star. The Lamb would focus on a fictional rock star named Chris Gaines. Kind of. In a press conference and listening party held on September 10, 1999 in Nashville, Brooks said, quote, The Lamb is not about Chris Gaines. It's about a fan of Chris Gaines. Chris is throughout the movie with his music and his presence. End quote. Brooks came up with a very intricate backstory for Chris Gaines. Born in Brisbane, Australia, his family moved to the Los Angeles area when he was five years old. He dropped out of high school to pursue a music career, though it's also made very clear that he would go on to get his GED in 1987. He started a band called Crush with his best friend Tommy Levitz, and they signed to Capitol Records in 1985. Tommy would later die in a plane crash. Gaines would then embark on an incredibly successful solo career. In 1992, Gaines would be in a terrible car accident in which he nearly died and ended up needing to have massive reconstructive surgery. He wouldn't allow his face to be seen for a long time, eventually returning to music with a new look. As the new millennium approached, Chris Gaines put together a greatest hits album as a bridge between his classic hits and his upcoming new album, The Lamb. Okay, so that's the quick overview of Chris Gaines' life. I'll be going into more detail as I go on. So. In the real world, Garth Brooks decided to release what was called a pre-soundtrack to The Lamb. It was a good year before the movie was planned to even be released. On September 28, 1999, Chris Gaines' Greatest Hits, also known as Garth Brooks in the Life of Chris Gaines, was released on Capitol Records. When I think about things I want to post, I want to post cool stuff, slick stuff, neat stuff. Track one is called That's the Way I Remember It. In the album's liner notes, each song has some words about the song from Gaines in character. He says of the song that it was originally written as a ballad, but then it was completely retooled into the kind of song he thought he would never write, a positive one. This song originally appeared on the Chris Gaines album Triangle, which was the first album he released where he let himself be seen after his terrible car accident. But more on that in a bit. In the real world, that's the way I remember it was released as the album's third single, but it failed to chart. It's only natural daytime. Details can somehow slip your mind. Something so sweet, though incomplete, you fill the spaces in between. It never on November 24, 1999, VH1 aired a special version of their popular Behind the Music series. It was a fictionalized version of the show titled Behind the Life of Chris Gaines. It goes into great deal about his car accident and the reconstructive surgery that followed. Doctors told him that his career was over. Everyone believed it but Chris. All the doctors told me I would have trouble walking and I'd definitely never play the guitar again. I knew I would walk again. But living my life without music, and this is embarrassing to say, but I was worried about living my life without sex. 
Oh, yeah. So Chris Gaines is also a sex addict. They mention that a lot in this special. Moving on, there are two songs on this Greatest Hits album that, in the fictitious world of Chris Gaines, were new songs written for the Greatest Hits album. The first of these new songs is Lost in You. That may explain why, in the real world, it was the lead single from the album. Lost in You was released in advance of the album on July 19, 1999. It would actually, and again, this is in the real world, would peak at number 5 on the Billboard Hot 100. Though Brooks had had number 1 albums on the pop charts before, Lost in You was the first and only time one of his singles ever made the top 40. My angel from the heaven Something about you when you're around, baby. I have found I get lost in. Lost in You saw a little bit of a return to the spotlight in 2019 when Childish Gambino covered the song for Like a Version on Australia's Triple J. Up next is Snow in July. In the real world, this song was actually originally recorded one year prior by the band Dakota Moon. In the Chris Gaines world, Snow in July is another song that is said to have appeared on Gaines's album Triangle. Now you're talking about your freedom. What is that you say? You suddenly declare to me your independence and On November 13, 1999, Garth Brooks hosted Saturday Night Live with musical guest Chris Gaines. A memorable sketch from this episode featured Tracy Morgan giving Garth a hard time about Chris Gaines. Hey, man, I remember that concert you did in uh, Central Park, man. It was on HBO, man. Thanks, I was clicking man. through the channels, and I saw it. It was nice. Oh, thanks, dude. It was fun. Don clean Billy Joe. It was cool. Hey, th- why you didn't have the OJs on? I mean, they legends. Um... <laughs> Yeah, hey, maybe next time. Thanks, Trey. Hey, yo, don't shine me on. I'm talking about the OJs, baby. They're better than that guy you got this week. Talking about Chris Gaines? Yeah, that lame-ass trick. (laughs) He don't show up to rehearsals all week, then he's strutting around here in that crazy-ass suit, man. Who do you think he is? If you have Peacock, you can stream the episode. It's season 25, episode 5. However, like most episodes of SNL streaming, the musical performance has been removed from the episode. Well, not all of the musical performances. It still does have Fred's Got Slacks. There's a guy named Fred and he's got a pair of slacks. Ooh, Fred's Got Slacks. On the episode, Brooks, as Gaines, performed Way of the Girl. It's odd that this was the song he performed because this was never released as a single. You pursue her embraces. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I mentioned earlier that Triangle was the first Gaines album where he let himself be seen by the public after his crash. But there was an album before that called Apostle, which was his first after the car crash. He wouldn't allow himself to be photographed or do any promotion or touring for Apostle. The Chris Gaines comeback album still spent eight weeks on the Billboard charts. The song Unsigned Letter is about one of Gaines' nurses that took care of him after his accident. His jaw was wired shut for six weeks, and communicating with her was a bit difficult. So he wrote her letters, and she would reply. He said he always wondered what would happen if he wrote her an unsigned letter from love. She got an unsigned letter from a secret someone And she fell into the mystery The words were few and specifically vague Intrinsic intrigue Said everything with just red come to me. Back to the real world. It Don't Matter to the Sun was the album's second single. It didn't fare nearly as well as Lost and You had, peaking at number 113 on the Billboard Hot 100. The song resurfaced in 2015 on the Target exclusive deluxe edition of Don Henley's Cass County album. There, it appeared as a duet between Henley and Stevie Nicks. Back in the Chris Gaines universe, It Don't Matter to the Sun appeared on his second album, Fornicopia. Did I mention Chris Gaines is a sex addict? Fornicopia debuted at number one and spent a combined 18 weeks at number one on the Billboard 200. It Don't Matter to the Sun is said to be a cover of the 1972 Ramsey Sellers classic. And that's a made-up person to the best of my knowledge. In the real world, the song was actually written by Brooks's band members on this album, Gordon Kennedy, Wayne Kirkpatrick, and Tommy Sims. But back in the Gaines universe, the album was released almost a year to the day after the death of his father, and people assumed this song was recorded for his father, but the truth was, his father used to sing the song to his mother, so he recorded it for his mother since she no longer had someone to sing her the song. It ain't gonna stop world out there But it'll be the end of mine What can I say What can I do We're still in love So I'll Once again, referring to the Gaines universe, Right Now is another song that was written specifically for this Greatest Hits album. 
in the real world, the song is kind of a mashup of two pre-existing songs. The verses are taken from the Cheryl Wheeler song, If It Were Up To Me, also released in 1999, while the choruses are from Get Together, a top 40 hit for the Youngbloods back in the late 60s. Maybe it's movies, maybe it's a book. After another Fornicopia song called Main Street, we get White Flag. The Gaines Universe says this song was released as a single from his 1989 solo debut, Straight Jacket. The album spent 224 weeks on the Billboard 200 and won the Grammy for Album of the Year. The next two songs are other songs from Straight Jacket, titled Digging for Gold and Maybe. But I'm going to skip past those, and before I get to the album's closer, let's talk a little bit about the real-world side of this album. The album was produced by Don Was. Was has won multiple Grammys as a producer over the years, and has worked with artists like Bob Dylan, Bonnie Raitt, the B-52s, and the Rolling Stones. Was is actually the son of Steely Dan's Donald Fagan, which is actually not true at all, but his real name is Donald Fagan's son. Don Was first came to prominence as a member of the band Was Not Was, who had a top 10 hit in 1987 with Walk the Dinosaur. In addition to Garth Brooks' backing band, a few other players of note include bassist Hutch Hutchinson, best known for his work with Bonnie Raitt and the Neville Brothers, drummer Eddie Bears, who's a member of the Musicians Hall of Fame and has played on 300 gold and platinum albums, keyboardist Rami Jaffe, who is now the keyboardist of the Foo Fighters, and drummer Kenny Aronoff, who's played with seemingly everyone, but perhaps best known for his many years with John Mellencamp. Back in the Gaines universe, as I mentioned earlier, before his solo career, he was a member of the band Crush with his friend Tommy Levitz. The VH1 Behind the Music special even featured some old interviews with Crush. Yeah, it's nice. I, you know, I like the fans, the women. <laughs> you know, all the attention is cool, you know, but I think just what uh, Chris said earlier just boils down to having the love for it. They're full of dude. It's all about the paycheck. It's all about the women and... And the parties, man. It's the clothes. You check these pants out. Check that out, man. The song My Love Tells Me So was the song that got the band signed to Capitol Records in 1985. The song isn't sung by Gaines, though. It's sung by Tommy Levitz. In the real world, 
The song is actually sung by band member Gordon Kennedy, who also co-wrote the song. Several of this album's songs, actually. Back in the Gaines universe, Crush's success was short-lived when Tommy Levitz died in a plane crash later that same year. It was devastating for Gaines, but eventually, it's what led to his solo career. That should be Chris Gaines' Greatest Hits has become a bit of an infamous album. It's been the butt of many jokes for years. Here's a clip from The Daily Show, which aired on the day after the airing of a Chris Gaines hour-long NBC primetime special. Garth Brooks is the biggest-selling solo artist in the history of American music. Now, if that's not perplexing enough, listen to this. As far as we can tell, country giant Garth Brooks gave a televised concert last night performing the music of his alter ego, Chris Gaines, a fictional rocker Brooks created, apparently because he's as sick of Garth Brooks as we are. Now, why don't we let... Why don't we let Garth explain, or is it Chris? First, let's get one thing straight. I'm not playing two different people, I'm playing one. Uh, The Garth Brooks thing is just who I am. The Chris Gaines thing, though, the closer you look and the more you find out, you realize Chris Gaines is Garth Brooks. People think of this as a huge failure, but it still spent 18 weeks on the Billboard 200, peaking at number two. And it even went double platinum. But I guess when you compare that to the rest of the Garth Brooks catalog, which has sold more than 170 million records, it just can't compare. It just wasn't what the world wanted from Garth Brooks. In his 2009 book, Eating the Dinosaur, Chuck Klosterman theorized on the reason Garth Brooks created Chris Gaines. It reads, His persona was somehow real and fake at the same time. It was real in the sense that it was not contrived or imaginative. He was just the same normal guy he always was. It was fake in the sense that it was unnaturally straightforward. It's impossible for a normal person to sell 128 million albums or even want to sell 128 million albums. And Brooks seemed to understand that. There was eventually a three-pronged disconnect between A, who Garth thought he was, B, who the audience thought Garth was, and C, how Garth assumed his audience wanted to think of him. So he tried to connect those dots through Chris Gaines, and he failed. The movie was to have been written by Jeb Stewart, writer of The Fugitive and Die Hard. But that movie never ended up happening. The movie's release date got pushed back to 2002 at one point before it was permanently shelved, along with Chris Gaines in general. Or was it? Because on a March 2021 episode of Garth Brooks' Facebook series Inside Studio G, Brooks announced that the Chris Gaines album was going to be re-released with bonus material in every format you can possibly imagine. Those were the words he used. He went on to say, quote, You're going to have Chris Gaines stuff nobody's ever heard before either. I love that project, so I'm excited. End quote. So, exact details are unknown, but directly from Garth Brooks's mouth, more Chris Gaines is coming. So that is for another time. 
Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Faxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at bizarrealbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums. Now, here it is, your moment of zen. I can understand the people that are diehard country fans and have always seen Garth doing country music not being able to come along for this ride. So if they choose to sit this one out, um, I, I can't complain, and that's cool.